Are you not having the success you want with your direct bookings? Perhaps you are tired of feeling like you are out of your depth and wish there was an easier way. Well, I've got an exclusive free training coming up that just might help. Join me on April 4th when I will share the top three mistakes that I consistently see vacation and short-term rental property managers make in their desire for direct bookings that could be costing you major profits. I will also be sharing my top tips in building your own direct booking sales engine that will bring in those direct bookings while you sleep. Come and join in the fun. Head to my website, directbookingsuccess.com, and click on the free training button to join me on April 4th, because you deserve your own direct booking success. You are listening to the Direct Booking Success Podcast, bringing you all the information you need for your short-term rental to stand out from the crowd. I'm your host, Jen Boyles. As an owner and manager myself, I know how hard it can be to navigate the hospitality industry. I'm here to help, so you too can have direct booking success. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Direct Booking Success Podcast. I'm Jen Boyles, your host, and today I have Tracy Northcott with me. Welcome, Tracy. Thanks so much. I'm really pleased to be here. Great. I'm so glad you are here as well. So let's get started. Maybe you can tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. Thank you. So my name's Tracy. I have been in Japan for 23 years. Obviously, by my accent, you can tell I'm not Japanese. (laughs) So I'm Australian and I found myself here in the year 2000 working with my brother. I'm a software engineer, so we have a small software company. And so, you know, I I was planning to be here for two years and sort of 10 years later, I was still here. And, you know, my my brother has basically said, look, this is a family business. If there is some side hustle that you want to do or there's something that you want to explore, I mean, use the company set up. It's not you know, it's it's there as a framework, you know, it's fully, you know, taxes are all paid and it's it's in good standing. So, you know, have fun, have at it. So, so that's, what drew, that's what drew you out of Australia in the first place was this family business. Well, yes. Yeah, no, the, definitely the family business drew me out of Australia in the first place. Yes. I, I'd already learned, I would, had already spoken Japanese before I came. Oh. I did it at high school and university. Yeah. So I did have a connection here already. And I traveled here a number of times to visit my brother. He's been here 35 years. So, yeah, so family business. And I said, you know, my parents have lived here. We've just got a a real connection to Japan. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. It's a whole family, a family thing going from Australia to Japan. And are your parents back in Australia now? Yes, they've retired now. So, but they still come up at least once a year. Well, pandemic notwithstanding, of course. But yeah, they they come up at least once a year, you know, because my brother is here with his son and I'm here with my son. So of course the grandkids are here. So that's a massive draw for them. So definitely, definitely. And it's hard, I think, being away from the grandparents, you know, it's, it's tough. For sure. So yeah, my, my son was born about 12 years or he's 12 now. So when, when that happened, we, was, we started to get a lot more visitors. So grandparents would come up a lot more often. Friends and family would come up a lot more often. And and then it was like, well, you know, I can't fit them all in my little tiny Tokyo apartment anymore. So 
you know, this whole Airbnb thing started. So I thought, well, you know what, I can do that. So I rented a second apartment and and set it up for for visiting family and friends and set it up with everything that I thought that they would need to be comfortable with a home away from home, which is interesting considering where my journey has led me. Yeah. And and, and I just thought, well, you know, if I, if I rent it half the time, I've covered my costs and, you know, it's all good. It was just a little, little studio apartment, you know, two minutes walk from my own apartment. And, and I thought, look, let's, you know, let's give this a go. So it just went bonkers. <laughs> I have to ask, did the family and friends ever get to stay there or was it rented them well, flat out? They, yes. Well, they, they, they first came to set and I would have to block out times, but they would have to let me know six, at least six months in advance when they were coming. Wow. Uh, because it was just so busy. And, and then I, and then I thought, well, you know, this is only a studio apartment. It's only good for, you know, a couple. I'm getting a lot of requests from families, from, from people that are looking for something that is self-catering that can, you know, you could have children stay. And, you know, given that I understood the challenges of traveling with small children, yes. I thought they can be my ideal guest avatar. And what was the, what was the accommodation like in Japan at that time? Were there, were there hotels? Were there other self-catering options? Hotels, so the hotels come in a couple of different ways. There's like business hotels, which are sort of traveling salesman size, and they're tiny and they're smelly and they're not family friendly. And they usually just have like, you know, a small king size single bed. And then you can touch the walls on either side. Okay. Um, and that they're the ones that are sort of in that affordable range. And then, of course, you've got massive suites, five-star, luxury, very high-end. And in that time when when we were getting a lot more guests, it was also the start of the tourist boom here in Japan. It was on everyone's radar. Everyone was wanting to come to Japan. They wanted to go skiing. They wanted to do, you know, Asia was just the thing. And there was just nowhere for them to stay. So it was a perfect storm of the, you know, the... The, the sharing economy really taking off, and people like me who was who were renting second apartments to to put them in places. So it was a really heady, interesting time. Yeah, mm. right place, right time. Okay, so you've got this one studio, and then you're getting um, influx of inquiries about bigger places. So what do you do next? Well, I did the sums on the back of an envelope and I, you know, spoke to my family and just, you know, my brother and just went, you know, have you seen that cash flow on this? So, yeah. um, so we then started investing in, in renting. So full rental arbitrage. So we would okay. rent properties and, uh, you know, fit them out with furniture and, and, and then they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So from the studio, we ended up with a, you know, a number of two bedrooms, then three bedrooms, then five bedrooms and six bedroom houses. And they just kept getting filled. So there was, there was just nothing in that, in that range for, for, for people traveling together. And that was what, 2010, you said that you started? Uh, 20, 2011, 2012. Okay. Okay. And then, uh, then we started doing the ramparts. So by 2015, we were, we were at 25 units all up. And then, you know, I had a number of, you know, cleaning staff and admin staff. And my husband at that time had had actually decided that he didn't want to work in hospitality anymore. He didn't want to work in the restaurant industry anymore. 
So he came to start work for, for me. So that was great. And he was so he was able to retire from his hospitality job. <laughs> and yeah, so by 2015, it was announced that the Olympics were coming to Tokyo in 2020. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we went, okay, five year business plan. Here we go. Entrepreneurs, let's do it. So we really, really focused on getting everything together for the 2020 Olympics. So that was our, that was, that was going to be our year. That was going to be the year that we, that everything came to, you know, the perfect storm of right place. Yeah. Right. And we all know what happened in 2020. Didn't quite work out, did it? No, no. So it was, you know, and that was a, that was an interesting time. So when you're a small business owner and you, you know, you lose a million dollars in sales in three weeks, it's very, very hard on the nervous system. That's for sure. I bet. And all of these apartments, so how many units were you up to in 2020? still 25 but what we've done is so at the beginning I was just getting anything I could so yeah. studios and you know like little places I was just getting anything that I could and then regulations came in so we were we went through a licensing program about 2017 and so I looked at the profitability looked at who was coming who we served what our product was and so we then decided, okay, which ones we were going to keep through the licensing mm-hmm. program. It's like, well, you know, it's not just enough to have something that's breaking even. We need something that is, you know, that's scalable, that we're, you know, we're having a really good profit, you know, profit margins with that, you know, it's the same amount of effort to run a studio apartment the way we run it anyway, in our hospitality style, to run a studio apartment is to run a five bedroom. Mm-hmm. So you know, but the, the the difference in margin is just huge. So, of course, we're going to focus on something that's, you know, we went so, so slightly smaller portfolio but higher profits. Right. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then come 2020 when the whole world shut down, did you still have apartments that you were renting from landlords? Yes. Okay. And we had a number so by that time we'd actually bought some, we built our own, we built our own house at this point. We built our own house with an apartment inside the inside the building. Right. So that was a hotel. So we got that licensed as a hotel. And so yeah, we were able to build this beautiful house for ourselves and then have the apartment where our family and good friends could come and stay when they were mm-hmm. in town. And then a number of apartments which are houses that we were only planning to keep until after the Olympics anyway. So we had contracts to say, okay, well, we're, we're going to finish in November or we're going to finish, you know, in uh, in October of 2020. So, yeah, we had to really decide very quickly what we were going to do. So, yeah. Yeah, I I can feel the, the tension or the stress there because not only did the world shut down and lots of us lo- lost a lot of money in revenue, but to be beholden to landlords adds another level of stress on top. So what actually did happen? I, I spoke to the landlords, you know, were very, very transparent. They all knew what we were doing anyway because we were licensed. So we had, you know, they knew what our business model was and obviously they knew that the, the, the borders had closed. So there were some landlords that were really great and they just said, let's figure it out together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are other landlords that, you know, started sending demand letters around immediately. Oh, no. Yeah. Awful. So, you know, all the stress of the business and also 
all the stress on us as humans. Like, yes, is is this disease going to kill us all? Right? You yes, know, we, we didn't all, know. We didn't know at that time. So you know, hindsight's a you know obviously a different thing. But during the time, it was a really intense period, and I, I, they they actually sent a lawyer around to my my office door and. And, you know, and I, I just looked at him and said, seriously, this is what you're doing? You know, yeah. and I had some choice words in English for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you came out the other side and it sounds like the business is even stronger. It's thriving. So tell us what you have done to make this business such a success. What are the, what are the components that you're putting together? Mm-hmm. I think very early on, we decided what our product was, that we were not in the business of cheap accommodation, that we weren't, a, you know, we weren't a substitute for a hotel. Our product was more than just a bed to sleep in. And, and so our value that we were bringing to the market was the local experience. So we live in a strange place. So we live in Tokyo where we're, we're foreigners. And so we wanted to show other people coming in what life was like here? So to live, not just to not just to you know go and sightsee. So what is it like to live? What are the what are the community responsibilities? You know what is it like to you know get up every day and learn how to sort your trash and and go to the supermarket and just life? Mm-hmm. Um, because the, all the people that we service, like the, our inbound tourists, they see that as a valuable experience, especially for their children. It's like, well, let's understand how people in another country live mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. And so that's really the the message that we're providing. It's like, well, you know, don't just, you know, like don't just go and see the sites or don't just go yeah. and see Like understand the DNA of the city. Understand what it's like to, to live here as a local. And, you know, you'll see things that you won't see as a tourist. Yeah. So that's what we really have focused on. And and knowing knowing what we were delivering made it very easy then to do the marketing for it and also to be able to attract the guests who that's what they wanted mm-hmm. and to also be able to help people who didn't want that experience to self-select away, right? So so we then were able to really funnel in the, the guests that love us, that want to, that really want our type of hospitality and and to come back again and again each year. So we're just so fortunate that we've had so many guests come back and, you know, I see their kids growing up from year to year and some of them have become clients actually. So what they've actually rented out their own places. Well, no, they've bought. And so oh. that was the model that I've, that I've moved to. So I'm, I'm not locked in. I'm not married to any particular business model. I'm locked into a, you know, a product model. So if, if this particular house or unit can deliver my product to my ideal guest, then however that deal goes ahead, then I'm flexible on that because I'm really just focused on, on the, the, the guest and the guest experience. And if, if that, if a property comes along and someone owns it and they've furnished it and they want me to manage it for them while they're out of, te- like when they're, when they're back overseas. So I have a few clients like that. that oh, I see. Yeah, they were, they were coming so regularly. They bought their place and then have asked you to manage it when they're not there. That's right. Well, you know, they did the sums on the back of the envelope as well and just went, oh, okay. Yeah, 
Because you know, when you when you factor in what is the cost of what's the cost of real estate, what is the cost of setup, what is and then what it, you know, what's the return on investment? And so there were some savvy people that were able to do that and say, you know what, I can, you know, I can buy a house and you know, we can do profit share. And it was like, you know what, I'm gonna let you. <laughs> but that's a testament to you and the relationships you've cultivated with your guests and the hospitality that you provide, isn't it? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I mean, I, I mean, I just really like people as well. So you know, I'm I'm always curious about you know how people live and how people you know what people do and what they're interested in, and you know, just be, being in that being in that environment has allowed me to to understand my guests really well, and and I just think taking care of care of people where they sleep. It's actually a real privilege. So what I take that really seriously and make sure that there's that I've taken care of the safety, I've taken care of the comfort, and really, you know, understood the the that not just the pain points, but the desires of the people that are coming as well. I know that gets a little it gets a little cheesy, but but really no, the, the mental side of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I no, I, I don't think I don't think cheesy. I think it's it's the foundation of your business, you know, it's not, yes, the profit is great, you know, and at the end of the day, we need to house ourselves and pay for food and that, but it's those fundamentals that you've built your business on in the, it's the hospitality industry, you know? That's right. I, and my husband and I, we sat down and actually we, we, we wrote a vision statement, a mission statement, like, who are we? Why yeah. are we doing this business? Yeah, sure, we're doing it to pay out our own bills and, and and put our kid through school, for sure. But why are we doing it? What you know, you know what what value would we bring to the world and to our customers? And and it, and it's good like once a year or you know every few months just to sit down and go, okay, what and what are we doing here? What are we creating? Who are we serving? And knowing knowing that allows you to to really build a business with integrity, sleep really well at night because I know that I've like I've been a part of people's memories. I've I've helped them really enjoy their time here. Some of them are on once in a lifetime trips or they've been planning it with their kids for forever. And just being able to be a part of that's just been really nice. So Yeah. No, it mm. sounds it sounds lovely. And it sounds like this is how you've been able to bounce back from the pandemic as well, is because you already had those fundamentals in place. And as well, we were able to say, well, okay, we've got these houses now. Now, who is needing our product? So because it wasn't inbound tourism at the time, it was actually people returning Japanese that need mm. our so these were these were expats who'd lived who were living in different parts of Asia, but their companies went, right, we're bringing you home. Right. And they their their own homes, their own homes, if they had them, were already rented out long term. So they had nowhere to go. So I was able to offer that product to to those expats returning for for while they were there. So that was the first year. And then the first people that started coming back were relocations. So they were people coming in on work visas and you know, there was a lot of there's a lot of like there was a big pent up demand on the work visas because even even if you had a work visa you weren't allowed to enter Japan for at least 12 months. So wow. there was a big right. backlog of students and 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 professors and university people that were trying to get back in. So we were able to adapt our product and adapt our hospitality for for the needs of of that demographic. 
Wow. Yes. Because, yeah, our, the borders were closed, weren't they? They were just, they, they were closed. Yeah. And when you open them back up, bit of a bit of a tidal wave coming at you. And that, that happened in October of 2022. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so if we'd known it would have gone on that long, I don't know, I may have made different choices in uh, because, you know, we were, I, I I thank my past self for doing some wise investments and I were able to draw on some of that to, mm. you know, to keep our business going along. It's like, okay, well, I love this house. It's, it does a great service. It, it, the profitability is really good and I guess really like it. I would want to keep it, but, you know, it was, it's been hard. It's been yeah. Hard. But now we're, we're, you know, you know, working with the landlords who were very accommodating and, you know, have worked out a repayment plan basically so of their, their lost rent, we've gone back and they've given us reductions and, you know, but showing that we really care about their houses is, mm-hmm. is a, goes a long way as well. Yeah, yeah. And I just wanted to ask you about your, your bookings and how people find you. I know you have your own website. It's Tokyo Family Stays. Yep. Tokyo Family Stays. I didn't want to say the wrong the wrong thing. Tokyo Family Stays. And of course, we'll put links in the show notes. But how are people booking with you? Well, so my ideal demographic is built right into everything I do with my branding. So so where we are, who we serve is, is built into everything. So when people start to search for family, you know, family stays in Tokyo, this and that, there's, there's a lot of Google juice that is finally coming out. It's taken a while. I won't lie. Yeah. Having, having a direct book, booking website, having a URL, you know, you're competing with, you know, the the big OTAs. So on those on those short tail keywords. So but it's taken sort of four or five years, but we're actually now getting organic searching, people finding us directly, which like the first time I had a first time I had a direct booking from someone that I hadn't directed into the site or someone that hadn't been referred or, you know, that that way. It was like, oh, where's this person? It was like, it was like Christmas. It was, yes. so exciting. Yes. It was so exciting. Yeah. Like, who are you? How did we find you? Oh, we Google Jeff. Yes, I know. It it, it I got a WhatsApp last night from someone saying, you know, can I come and stay? And I'm thinking, who are you? How did you get my number? Where are you from? You know, it's still exciting, isn't it? When people are wanting to stay with you. Mm. So yeah, they find me that way. But I've I've built a lot of relationships with travel agencies, with so people who are already dealing with my ideal guest. And I've so I've built relationships, referral relationships with a couple of tour companies, some blogging sites that are popular. Like there's a, a family blogging site. She has a massive following. So really picking influencers who are in your space, who are dealing already with your ideal client and making relationships. So just so that they know who you are and you're on their radar. And I've had a number of referrals. Some of them I've, I've, I've form, had for formal relationships. So if they use a code and they book with the code, they either get a discount or the person who's referred me does get does get a commission. And that sort of sweetens the deal a little bit because, you know, it's, mm-hmm. but what I do find is that if you're very open and honest about your business, people like referring you. People like to help other people out, you know, hey, I'm going to Tokyo, you know, what have you done? It's like, oh, I know Tracy, she's got, the, you know, she's yeah. got business, here you go. So, 
that word of mouth, that social proof is just, is, is priceless. Absolutely yeah. priceless. And, and that's just building relationships and just being authentic in the market. So we do all the things, you know, we've got the Facebook page and we've got the, you know, we've, we've got the Instagram and, and we've got the mailing list. We've got the whole, the whole lot. So there is probably no one thing that does all the driving. It's just a combination of, of everything. It's just a big soup. Yeah. 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 I can see that. So if somebody was coming to you and saying, Tracy, this is something that we've started to do or we're wanting to start out, what would be the tips that you would give them? From day one, no matter where your guests have come from, have a way to contact them, be it a phone number, an email address. So I know as they've come in through an OTA, the OTAs don't like it very much, but there are some, there are some sneaky dicky ways and there are some tricky ways that you can collect email addresses. And for being of service is the most important thing. You know, you come for it rather than, oh, I'm going to grab your email address and I'm going to like direct market to you. Like, no, it's like, I want to be giving you value. I want to be giving you, you know, content that you're going to find interesting. And so that's why you get the email addresses. So however you can get them by hook, by crook, get those email addresses and start nurturing those guests who are going to love you for who you are. Yeah. Any other tips that you can think of if someone's just starting out? I think just being, well, like I said, being very clear about your product and your vision. You know, my husband and I, like I said, we sat down and we worked out, you know, why is it we're doing this? You know, what are, what are our values? What is it that makes us unique? Why are people going to choose us? What are we doing? What is the value that we're bringing to the market? And, you know, what service are we bringing? You know, having that, having, you know, having that mapped out helps you on a day-to-day basis because you can sort of always go back in, if you're making a decision going, is this in line with my vision? Yes or no. That helps you with the decision-making process. And also when you're, when you're hiring staff, you can explain to your staff, this is the vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, you know, if you, if this resonates with you, if you are in line with our vision, then, then, then we, then this is something you need to consider. And these are our values. And yeah. so being, every company is different. So every person is different. So being very clear about what it means to you and so that you can project that into the marketplace. And I think something you said earlier about solving a problem that people have when they're coming to you, and it's not necessarily a place to stay. Correct. That's right. Yeah. We, we obviously offer beds and, yeah. you know, sheets and everything. But, but, but primarily what we're offering you is you'll, you'll know how it feels to live in, in Tokyo and we'll help you solve problems. Like, you know, we'll help you with the transfer. We'll help you learn how to, you know, get from A to B and we'll help you, you know, find the great restaurants in the neighborhood and the mum and dad shops that you'll, that you won't find anywhere else in the world. So we see that as, as part of our, service mm-hmm. um, and and even educating people on like well you know in Japan this is how the air conditioner runs and and this so you get to know that there are different just different ways of things and you know the toilets are different here <laughs> <laughs> and a bit but then they're the, the little things are what people take away but as well as solving problems we've been able to when we're solving problems we can also monetize at each level as well, because we, you know, we we know what people are going to spend their money on anyway, and so we just help them spend it with us. So either with a with someone that we recommend, like a restaurant or mm-hmm. a, a company or a taxi company or a translation, whatever whatever you need, or babysitting. Babysitting is our biggest 
additional revenue yeah. stream. Really? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, people are really grateful that, you know, they've got someone to look after their kids in their house, in their own house, while, you know, the parents can go out and have an adult beverage. So. Yeah, no, nice. It's that in, it's that full experience, isn't it? Correct, yes. Mm-hmm. It, it's not just heads on beds. It's that full experience yeah, of the stay. definitely not just heads on beds. You know, it's like, you know, what have because I'm very clear that we help families, that mm. we've got, you know, we have kids' books and we have kids' toys. I don't have crayons because I like my little. <laughs> so, yeah, so we know we have high chairs. And if you need a stroller, I've got a stroller. So, yeah. Great. Very I've nice. loved speaking to you, Tracy. It's interesting to find out the differences too because it's a, you know, you're in Japan. It's a different, it's a different culture. It's a different country. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that's great that you're very mindful of the the people coming to stay with you. A lot of them are not going to know how things work. So it's exactly. providing that experience. Exactly. Well, see, as a, as a non-Japanese person, I know what it's like to land and just go, oh, my goodness, where have I landed? So I understand yeah. that. So I can anticipate that. I've already given them the information on how to get from A to B. I don't just, you know, let people out to dry it's like this is how you get here this is the bulletproof way of how to get to to where you need to go mm-hmm. and that just gives people so much comfort so much like oh I go you know I, uh, because it's a little daunting if you've gone mm-hmm. to a country that doesn't necessarily speak your language it's it's a little like it adds that little layer of stress but if yeah. I can bring that stress level down that's that's what I'm all about yeah great no it's been real it's been a real eye-opener thank you for sharing your story your your story and your tips too, because you're doing it as your your businesses are flourishing. So you're doing a really good job. But I can't let you go without asking you, what does direct booking success mean to you? It mainly means having a real pride, a sense of accomplishment of what we've built for not just my family, but for the community. We have very close ties with our community. I've got restaurants that when I walk in there, I'm the superstar because they know that I've brought them customers. They know that I've brought them people who are spending money and having a great, not just spending money, but enjoying and then taking those away as memories. Knowing that we've we've got pride and we've actually delivered a product that that is really going to live in people's memories for a long time, that to me is success. I know it's, a, like I said, it's a little cheesy, but being in, but having being able to, you know, help someone create like a lasting memory is, is, it's, it's beautiful. No, but that's why we're here. It's not, it's not all about the profit, you know, it is about helping other people. And the, the, another great thing about being in hospitality is that the people who work in hospitality are hospitable. They're hospitable people and people like us, we want to help, you know? So when you come across somebody who maybe is in it for, different reasons, you know, it can be a bit of a a, a startling, re, you know, discovery because they're not in there being hospitable. And I think, you know, being the cornerstone of your business, you've shown how you can do it. And I can see how being one of your guests and you're, you've already helped me so much. And then we, you say, here, go to this restaurant or do this. Like, I'll be like, yes, I'll go anywhere you say, because you've already provided pre-vetted yeah well that's it that's it you know you're the local and you're giving me those insider tips Mm -hmm. 
So That's sign cool. me up. I'm coming. <laughs> I was. Nice. I mean, one. If there was one thing about the pandemic I'm actually quite grateful for is that it's it it not forced me. It, it allowed me to reach out outside of Japan and meet like-minded people like yourself. And 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 because I was quite siloed in my little mm. world. I mean, I've had no idea if like the sort of hospitality I delivered was you know, had any sort of global appeal. And and I have learned that because I was just focused on my business and my customers. Of course. And then, um, and then since the pandemic, I started writing a blog and I, you know, uh, and I've, you know, reached out to the, you know, other, other leaders in the community. And it's just like, wow, like there are kindred spirits around the world. This is great. So. Yeah. Uh, and I agree with you wholeheartedly the same, you know, we're very much focused in our own businesses, our own lives so much of the time. It's so wonderful to be able to look up and see mm -hmm. everyone around us. And it's a worldwide community. Absolutely. And it's a lovely community too. Yeah, yeah it is. Really nice. It really is. Mm -hmm. So you've got a bit of a, try to think of the word here, you've got a gift for the audience. <laughs> I do. So like I said, while during the pandemic, what I started a blog, I started consulting slash mentoring, you know, just seeing how I could help other people with their, like, raise the level of their hospitality. And it was, a bit, you know, it was a bit therapeutic for me as well. Going through the stress of the pandemic, I was able to get out all of my, you know, most hospitality philosophy onto onto the computer and then and resonating with other people. So then people asked me to start teaching them how to do it. And I went, okay, yeah, I can do that. So I created an audit program. So I'm able to, you know, work with you one-on-one -on -one to look at your brand, look at your philosophy, look at your, look at your listing to make sure that it is authentically re reflecting who you are and what you're delivering. And as well, I've got a special offer for you because I did, I, because I, all my guest communications, I have them automated. So I copied, I made templates for everything because I'm lazy. I don't like typing things out more than one time. So I, I created templates for myself and I thought, well, if people might need this. So I created a series of templates for guest communications and I, I, you know, put them out for sale as well. But, you know, I'm able to, you know, offer that if you book in for an audit, you can get all of the templates for free. So yeah, that's, that's great. Idea. So you just. So I'll put the link in the show notes. If you're interested in signing up for one of Tracy's listing and branding audits, mention the podcast or my name, direct booking success, Jen Boyles, whatever you want to say, and she will give you those swipe files for free yes. as an added bonus. Yes. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Tracy. Again, I'll put all of your links in the show notes. Thanks for coming on. An absolute pleasure. So thank you very much for having me. Hey, thanks for listening to the Direct Booking Success Podcast. For more information about this episode and others, head to the website directbookingsuccess.com slash podcast. See you next time.